You're listening to a podcast from Newstalk ZB. Follow this and our wide range of podcasts now on iHeartRadio. Newstalk ZB. Newstalk ZB. Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Wednesday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn Hart, and we are looking back at Waitangi Day, Tuesday. Um, and so it was a bit of a unusual kind of a day. Well, it's not unusual because it was a sort of a usual sort of a Waitangi day on News Talk ZB, unusual Tuesday on, on News Talk ZB. Uh, because uh, we had Tim Dow hosting the breakfast show, uh, we had uh, Tim Beveridge hosting afternoon show, and Tim Roxburgh hosting. Hang on. No, that's not right. Tim Beveridge mornings, and Tim Roxburgh in the afternoon. It, it was a triple Tim Tuesday. What more could you ask for on Waitangi day? Um, and we also had, uh, so uh, we had the uh, uh, diagnosis of the King's Cancer as well and some loud bird talk. Uh, but yeah, so let's get started with uh, Waitangi Day with the uh, Deputy Prime Minister. You're doing your best, uh, from what I read of your speech yesterday, you're d- doing your best to get them to uh, come along with that notion and to uh, at, at least give you the respect of listening to what you had to say. What do you think is driving this very strong response uh, to the Treaty Principles Bill? Well, again, I'll just say this, that uh, when you get a response, people are entitled to have their view, but on a marae, the plan is to hear each other out and have a discussion. Now, that's not what happened. And you say, what's driving this? Well, sheer politics. And the reality is, at the last election, these people with all the money in the world and everything else lost the election. And they're not prepared to accept it. Some are not prepared to say, well, we failed, so we'll have to fight next time in 2026. No, they want to say that we were getting rid of the Treaty of Waitangi. And the first question I asked them was, who on earth said we're getting rid of the Treaty of Waitangi? And just name who said that. But no one could. Not in the debate. It's just their reaction before they got there, having had a misinterpretation of what's going on in government. Now, Seymour, my, my colleague Seymour in government has got a bill. We all know about that. Uh, he promised it. We said we'd go to the first reading, go to the select committee. But they've extrapolated from that. They're getting rid of the treaty. Now, my question to them was, well, in 1975, when some of us were doing a lot to try and turn around an attack on Maori land ownership and European ownership at the same time, where were you? Some of these people had only come lately, and they needed to be told so, but they weren't prepared to hear that. So you'd agree that, uh, with their assertion the treaty is sacrosanct. Nobody's challenging that, are they? No one's challenged the treaty being sacrosanct, and they couldn't give me one example of anybody who said that. But as for the treaty principles, now that's a different matter because I've long com- ca- campaigned on the same view of, as Nata, Pomar and Buck and a famous man called Carol was the Deputy Prime Minister to Seddon. Their view, much closer to the event, and Nata, who was a brilliant lawyer as well, uh, and Pomar and Buck were very serious politicians. One was the Minister of Health over 100 years ago. Um, Buck went on to be a leading anthropologist when it came to an understanding of the Pacific uh, peoples all the way to Hawaii. But no, you've got the Donnie lately being fed up this uh, sociological claptrap from universities about the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi. But what did the Maori king say? What did the uh, king of Tainui say at Turangawawai? 
he ended up by saying there are no principles to the treaty. Yeah, so take take your your university claptrap and stick it. I guess no no principles, so no conversation. Move on. News talk. Zbean. Is that why uh, the prime minister? Uh, couldn't think of anything new to say. If you are in the Who Cares camp, do that thing of just stopping and thinking how you would feel if it was a leader who you didn't support verbatim copying a large chunk of their speech from Waitangi last year and repeating it this year. And I think what we're seeing, surely in the headlines, is that we care. Now, you might be a strong supporter of, say, David Seymour. That would suggest that that you care about the potential of that referendum. You might think the opposite about David Seymour. That would suggest that you you care about Waitangi Day. Now, if you're in the Luxon camp, what an opportunity this is for him to say, as I said last year, I think ABC and standing here before you now as prime minister, I stand by what I said. And, and to acknowledge the depth of feeling that people have, but use it as an opportunity to show leadership as prime minister. I... To be honest, I just I find the whole thing extremely odd. <laughs> you know, you you have speechwriters, you've got a team of people behind you, you've got immense resources. You do not copy verbatim parts of an old speech. Um, yeah, so I am definitely in that um, who cares camp. Um, I kind of live in the who cares camp. I'm one of those people with one of those sort of permanent trailers. And the, you know the people who actually like build a deck and have a little garden in the, at the camp. That's me, permanent resident of the Who Cares camp. Ninety percent of parenting is just thinking about when you can have a break. And when you do take a break, enjoy the Parenting Hangover podcast. They go together like a tutu and jandals. We've said from the get-go, we ain't parenting experts. No. But it's cool to hear, what is your neighbour doing? What do they say? A problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, that's good. Not that my children are problems. Or a but. I feel better talking about it. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so anyway, Waitangi Day wasn't the only thing that happened yesterday. Uh, we also uh, learned that uh, the old uh, king, a bit more frail than mum by the sounds of things. So what does this mean for the rest of the royal family and where, where do we go from here? Yeah, now that's, I think, of great significance too. Because although, of course, we all wish him well and his health is important, uh, the impact on the rest of the royal family is going to be quite extreme. Why? Well, because Prince Andrew isn't doing anything, of course. Uh, Prince Harry has gone. Uh, And, of course, uh, Kate, Princess Kate, the the, uh, Princess of uh, Wales, Prince William's wife, has just come out of hospital herself for a procedure. We don't know what it was, but she was in hospital for quite a time. And she's cancelled all public engagements for quite some period of weeks. Indeed, Prince William has only just returned to uh, official duty because he took time off to be with her. So it puts a lot of pressure on the remaining working royal members of the family. Um, And let's not forget, of course, that King Charles, King Charles III, had also been the longest serving heir to the throne, as it was. He waited all that time uh, to become king. uh, And I think would be really, frankly, devastating by this because He's already sort of hit the ground running with what he wants to achieve with the monarchy. And the idea that he might be out of action for some considerable time 
well, that won't go down very well. Do we think perhaps this might be uh, a great time to just wrap it all up? Um, I mean, it's all sounding a bit wobbly. And if they're not even turning up to their um, you know, luncheons and their dinner parties, putting in an appearance... I mean, I get they've got a note from the doctor, but, you know, should we just uh, not worry about it anymore? News Talk, Zed Bean. We're going to finish up here with somebody I consider to be radio royalty, uh, Rube Kleinpaster. Um, he's he's not just a bug man, as it turns out. He's also a bit of a bird man. I didn't know this. It's one of those days, to be honest, I don't think in Auckland you could get a better day right now. Um, the, 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 the tide is in. Uh, the sun is shining, there's no wind. It's just one of those, I'm not sure what it is. Even the light seems a bit more golden than usual. It's a beautiful day. How is it where you are? It's a bit cloudy in Christchurch, oh. but mind you, it's in uh, well in the 20s already. Julie and I had like, uh, breakfast on the deck, and it's gorgeous. And there are uh, shining cuckoos singing and things like that. Lots of red poles at the moment in my garden, which is quite unusual, and they're looking for water. They're really thirsty. Lots of what? Um, <clears throat> red poles, that's a, a European species that was introduced here. I like them. A red, a red front. A bird? Head and, yeah, bird. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Narrow that down. I don't Narrow know. I assumed it was. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, a, and a reddish chest. They're beautiful things. And they've got a gorgeous, thrilling, thrilling and thrilling sound as well. Actually, very are, loud. What yeah, are the on. exotic bird species that fit quite nicely into New Zealand? Because um, you know, there are some where, you know, obviously we, we wish we'd never introduced certain species in New Zealand and there are others that probably make well that some of them make their own way here but in terms of an introduced are there some species that fit in better than others yeah I think so yeah. I think so there's something that we introduced a long long time ago in the 1800s was the little owl I think that was introduced to keep uh, pests at bay in in orchards and in vineyards and things like that. It's a small owl, probably the size of a magpie, maybe a bit smaller, and it's very common in the in the South Island. It's not in the North Island. It's yeah. common in the South Island. So when we lie in bed at night, you hear wow, wow, <laughs> that sort of stuff. It's the typical owl sound. It's gorgeous. And uh, and and they also they also nest in nest boxes that I hang up in my garden, and it's absolutely lovely. So we band the little babies, the birds, the, the young ones as they come out, put an, a metal band around with a number on their legs, and we track where they go basically. What? But what? yeah, I love them. What actually? Def- um, I think. I mean, we all know what an owl is. When somebody mentions an owl, what they look like mm. and the, the the different sort of um, facial structure, sort of more front on and and yep. big eyes and all that. It, w- is there a particular definition for s- that makes something an owl? Because an owl is a bird, but what makes yep. an owl an owl? It's a it's a fa- the family of the owl, the Strigopsidae, I think, or three Strigops, uh, Owls have got very good forward pointing eyes, yeah, and they cannot move like you and I are eyeballs in our head. So they have to turn their head to look left and right, and they can turn their head about one hundred and eighty degrees and look backwards. That's one hundred and eighty degrees. Yeah, that's that's it's very good for backing the car into the garage, for instance. <laughs> so that'd be more of a uh, 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 kind of a noise, wouldn't it? Uh, great uh, impression that he did there. I don't want to hear any birds in the middle of the night. Um, this is my problem with the plovers, and I've been pretty vocal about the plovers. In fact, I've been almost as vocal as a plover uh, on air, off air, to whoever will listen.
Uh, they, they are an exotic species we definitely could have done without, and I want to send them all back to Tasmania. Anyway, uh, that was a, a sort of a weird Waitangi uh, Triple Tim Tuesday uh, News Talks there been. We'll be back with a perfectly normal uh, Thursday edition tomorrow when we look back at Wednesday. See you then. News Talk. News Talk. Zed Bean. For more from News Talk ZB, listen live, on air, or online, and keep our shows with you wherever you go with our podcasts on iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.